You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started Hey everyone, welcome back to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. Once again, sitting here with my good friend, D.D. Wills. D.D., how's it going? Ah, it's going so good. It's so good. How's things going for you? It's going awesome. I can see in your, your see, D.D.'s office is is in her upstairs. She, I can see light coming through her window. It looks like a beautiful day there. It <laughs> is. It is a beautiful day. My yeah. office is in the basement. I wish I had an upstairs office, but I don't. But it's 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 a fun place. I, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> get get down in the basement, Adam. Down to your lounge, your your dungeon. <laughs> um, so, uh, Didi and I are going to talk about something today that that I I hope you all find as interesting as we do because I know it's one of our favorite things to talk about. Both of us, um, honestly, Didi was one of those presenters that I remember being like one of the first people I went to to learn from about writing. That's what we're going to talk about today, and. I consider you a writing guru or expert because you have so many amazing things out there. Um, and we're just going to talk about some of the the things that maybe you're struggling with as a teacher when it comes to writing. Um, I know I used to. I never felt like I was a really good writing teacher until I did some of the things that I, I now speak about when I go out. And uh, I actually got asked a question recently about how do I make myself a better writing teacher? And it, I was like, well, let me... Let me uh, Throw that over to my good friend Dee Dee Wills and see what she thinks. So, so yeah, let's well, talk writing and, and just sure. some of the fun ways to make it as fun as possible, but also keep the importance there. Sure. You know, I, honestly, I appreciate the guru, um, but actually I'm more of like a parrot. So <laughs> what I've done um, is there was a time when I was a really ineffective writing teacher. I felt like I was just going through the motions. I felt like my students weren't really taking things on. I felt like I was playing whack-a-mole in my classroom all day long. Right. Um, and so whenever you feel that way, regardless of the subject, if you're feeling like I am out of my depth, um, I always go to the experts. And so I read a lot. I read a lot um, on, on what the experts are saying for early childhood education and in, in the world of um, writing. And um, then started trying things out and it wasn't perfect at first, um, but I tried it out and then kind of refined it over the years, I guess, basically, which is really what we should be doing in our classroom. If, um, if I were still in the classroom full time, I doubt that my instruction would look exactly the same now as it, as it did, you know, five years ago, it should be evolving. Um, and so we just try things out. We figure out what works. We figure out what maybe we need to learn a little bit more. So I'm happy to share how I approach writing. Um, it went from my least favorite subject of the day to my most favorite subject of the day. Um, it was my students' favorite time. So that tells me that we um, were on the right track and, yeah. and the results were spectacular. When it came to you know, our district writing assessment, our results were spectacular. So um, I'd love to talk on that. Yeah, and that's awesome. And you, you kind of touched around that whole thing on on something that's very important, the idea of never stop learning. Uh, Didi said she reached out to the experts and read and read and read. And I think that's such an important thing for us as teachers, whether you feel like you are on top of the world as educators, you're all amazing educators. And, and I think that we can all admit there's something we're really, really good at, right? I know in my classroom, I felt like I was doing awesome building relationships with my kids. That was one of my, my key things. I was like you though, and I, I was not getting a lot of achievement with, with writing. Um, so I think that's something important to remember, like regardless of how amazing you are, know that you can always still learn a little bit more yeah. in some way or another, never stop learning. And you, right. I don't know, that's just such an important thing to right. remember. Mine wasn't so much also, like you had said, 
you felt like you were struggling to teach it. Mine was also, I wasn't feeling like I was getting it into my lesson plans. The writing was always the last thing that I found a place for. And there were days where I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to plan any type of writing activity. But I think it all went back to the fact that that I wasn't enjoying it at all. And that's why I wasn't putting emphasis on it. So, so what did you yeah. find out or what, what worked for you, Didi? Well, a couple of things that worked. Uh, one, I, I adopted the writer's workshop model, which was really helpful, uh, which it starts with a, a mini lesson. Students try it out. During that time, you're going to be conferring with those students um, and, and kind of uh, helping them reach that next level. What's their next logical step? Um, and then there's some sharing time as well. So I, I went to the workshop model. Um, a couple of experts that I really dove into learning from was Matt Glover. It's like lover, but with a G in front of it. I always say that, lover. Um, Glover. Glover. Uh, Matt Glover. I think he's brilliant um, in that he really touches on that pre-K to like second grade writer, which is, you know, writing looks a, a little different in kindergarten. <laughs> Than right. it does in second grade, like a, a lot of different. So um, if that's even an expression. And then the other one that I really love was Katie Wood Ray. So I'll link in the show notes, the two books that I went and dove into um, that might be helpful for other people. So those are the two authors that I really spent a lot of time with in, in the pages of the book. Um, I know Lucy Calkins is the mother of uh, writers, not, not really the writer, mother of writers workshop, but she's, she's a, a leading expert. I just did not find um, something that was really applicable in the kindergarten world that was readily available when Deanna and I, you know, first ventured on our curriculum or writing right. curriculum. But so, well, I think it's important that what you just said when you mentioned those multiple authors too, and, and how you just said that, that there's, there's something that, that didn't work for me. I think one thing yes. that, that people get stuck on sometimes is they, they hear that big name, whatever it may be, whether it's Lucy Calkins or, or this or that or that. And they think that that's, that's all there is. And I'm not saying it is or is not, but I think, I think educational books or PD books, what are you going to call them or any type yeah. of manual curriculum book that we all read beyond what our school has, it, it should be treated just like any other type of regular fiction or nonfiction book. You know, the, the fact that we all read different books based on what interests us uh, as human yeah. beings can be the same for us as teachers. There's, there's a reason those books are out there. There's not going to be a, a big name book like one of those that's out right. there and it's just going to be complete right garbage you know like it's there for a reason there's a reason it has the status it does um but i think your point is really good it's going to work for some people it's going to work for not work for others well you know i i had read her book um was it the art of teaching writing the art of teaching writing like 20 years ago i guess um and loved it so that gave me a really and it's a huge book it's like war and peace for teachers <laughs> um and and it gave me a nice foundation of kind of what is it what does it look like how do we confer that kind of stuff great but when it came down to specifically those k one two as mm -hmm. i was an instructional coach as well i needed something specific for that um it didn't have as much structure for me to kind of emulate. So I found that those other authors really were helpful to me. So a couple of the big things that um, practices that teachers, regardless of your background training, that I would suggest starting with, um, one of them is letting students pick their own topics. Um, never will you ever um, <laughs> hear me say um, in a writer's workshop mini lesson, today you're going to write about XYZ. Right. Or today you must write this type of a, a genre. Um, so I always let student choice be there. Um, now, 
teachers often don't want to do that because they realize the first couple of weeks of teaching writers workshop when you say go ahead and write on a topic of your own choice they look at you like uh what i don't even they don't know what they're going to write about so it is hard at first to get to get them moving but your mini lessons are going to be where do writers get ideas right, right. so you're going to start brainstorming and you all know you read a book to a student or you tell a story to your students of something happened in your life they're like my uncle did that and i did you know they all have those connections they can't help <laughs> themselves but tell you um and so that's that's really is telling you hey guess what you could write about that right. i must have said 500 times oh my gosh you could write about that you could write about that um and so letting students uh select their own topics is very important um it gives them energy to write on what they're when they're invested, they have the energy to write on the topic they're going to write about. So Adam, you and I were talking before we started recording about how you had some experience with that very topic. So I'd love for you to talk on that. Yeah, it's, it's the ownership factor, it, just like anything we do. You know, if, if there's something we're investing in and we take ownership in and, and we enjoy it, we're going to put more passion into it as well. And um, Trisha has been using this in her classroom. So, so if you're new to the podcast, my wife, Trisha, is a second grade teacher. I, I do a lot of work in her classroom with her. Um, this first started in my kindergarten classroom. I, we were doing some nonfiction writing and my kids were loving, I'll never forget this is the one year these students just absolutely dove into nonfiction books in my classroom. They just, they went to those more than they would touch like my Dr. Seuss shelf of books. You know, they just love nonfiction books. And I said, well, what if we, what if we read some of those books, boys and girls, and I want you to tell me something you maybe learned from those books or, uh, you know, we've got some books about sharks, but what's your favorite animal, you know? And they looked at me like, I had just given them the world. Like they're like, wait, we can we can write about any animal we want to write. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the point of this. So they they very easily started mapping out their own nonfiction, their nonfiction book. So it's a product that I created. Um, and Trisha's been using it in her room. And it's just, I think I just called it I Can Write About. And it's it's got, I guess, maps for animals, plants, people, places, and just free writing too. So I went to Trisha's classroom last week and they were beginning a nonfiction writing unit, and I just showed them her whole like bins full of nonfiction books. And what we did first was I just said, I just want you guys to go look at those books, see what's inside of them. What do they look like? What do you notice? What kind of pictures do you see? And they were doing animals first. She had all her animal books out. And they came back and I said, what'd you guys read about? You know, we talked about all their favorites. And I said, you want to write a book like that? And they got really excited. And I said, well, what are you going to write about? And they all started naming books that they, and I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, you can't write that book. That's somebody else's book. You can write about that, but I want to know what you know. So what we do is we have them pick a topic, whatever their topic is. So let's let's say the, the overall topic is the animals. They get to pick any animal they want. And right. why not, right? Give that ownership. And then um, we had them map out like three main things. So it was name your animal, draw it, talk about the animal's habitat so we know something about them. Kind of like you add a setting to a story with a character. Now we're going to add the setting but the habitat of where this animal lives. And then um, let's talk about the diet of the animal. And then you got to talk about anything you want. So I want you to quickly write down three important things you want to talk about with that animal. And her students were, were so involved in it. I mean, they spent longer than she had planned yeah. <laughs> writing and writing, writing. And they were like getting ready to go to, I think it was your lunch or recess, something, something that, that when you ask them what their favorite part of the day is, it was one of those times, you know, <laughs> and right. uh, they're like, we don't want to stop for recess. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this, this is awesome. Is yeah. So that, I was on that, the road. The other night okay. and no i'm sorry i was on the road the other night and trish called me and she goes my students are writing like crazy like they gave up some free choice time today just so they could start a new book because they finished their animal book and it. It, it just i guess it kind of 
proves that what Didi just said is true. When you give them that choice, that that's such a huge, powerful, powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, giving students that the, the choice is, is key because, you know, I, I have much more energy to write about something that's happened to me that I'm excited about than I am, you know, some, you know, tell me about your favorite vacation or something like that, you know, a, a writing prompt. Now, writing prompts, we definitely have to teach them how to respond to a prompt. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't do it during writer's workshop. So well, um, I think with prompts too, the thing to remember is that it should be just that it should be, don't lead into it too much. You know, your prompts can be, what do you like to do in the fall? You know, um, or yeah. tell me about what you like to do in the fall, but, but leave the choice of that open it doesn't have to be what do you like to do outside in the fall or what's your favorite sports play in the fall it just mm -hmm. anything what do you like to do in the fall what we do for our responding to literature is it's a shared experience so we all listen to the book at one time mm -hmm. uh and then we have some uh, comprehension prompt that they're going to respond to specific for that book um you know the what do you like to do in the fall would be a great brainstorming um prompt that you would right. do so as you're coming up with where do writers get ideas well you know um we'll pretend like you're a student i'll say so friends what is something that you like to do in the fall um turn to your partner and talk about some of the things that you like to do and it might be pumpkin it might be hayride it may be you know watching your good friend charlie brown no great pumpkin charlie brown. i don't know great the pump. charlie brown thing the pumpkin one great pump yeah great pumpkin yeah. charlie brown you're right <laughs> When you first said that, so so again, listeners, Dee Dee and I are looking at each other now. She goes, when your friend, I was like, who is she? I don't have a friend named Charlie Brown. Because <laughs> she My was friend, looking right at me. You know, you know Chuck. You know Chuck. Oh, yeah, Chuck. him. Uh, kind of bald. Um, <laughs> really bad at football. Um, anyhow, so, you know, <laughs> but have them turn to their partner and they can brainstorm ideas. And so maybe one student's favorite thing is to make candy apples. The other ones might be to, you know, go to the school carnival. I don't know. But that's a great brainstorming um, idea. What is something that you like to do at recess, right? And then have them turn to their partner and discuss that. Um, and you can make an anchor chart, but then when it's time for them to go off and write, maybe recess for some students is a lonely, sad time for them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that is. And, and so are they going to have a lot of energy for that? No. Not really. Right. Um, and, but other students like that's the best, you know, social moment of their life. So um, anyhow, so let them let them come up with their own topics. You can have them brainstorm. You can give those prompts out there as a way for them to kind of trigger it. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I totally remember. We went on this hayride, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to write about that today. And somebody else says, well, I'm working on, you know, when I was helping my dad fix his truck or something. Uh, so that would be one thing. Let them let them have choice in what they're going to write about. That's one thing that I would suggest for writers' workshop. Um, the other thing is to to not do for the students things that they can do for themselves. And so in that is topic selection. We've already kind of talked about that. Um, so yes, having students um, pick their own topic helps them have more energy for that. So we definitely want to tap into that. One of the other things that we want to do is we want to make sure that we don't do for students something that they can already do for themselves. So again, picking their own topic is something they can do, need a little instruction, but they can do it. The other thing, so like another example of don't do for them is please don't spell for your students during writer's workshop. Please don't hold their hand as they're writing independently. Um, oftentimes I'll have um, teachers say, you know, one of the lessons that we ask teachers to teach is how to stretch out sounds, sounds to words that the students don't know. 
Um, and of course, during our modeled lesson, we're going to model that. So we're going to show how we say it slowly. We put down the sounds that we hear. We do all of that, right? Uh, and then we invite students to try that when they need it, when they need that strategy. So as you're walking around the room, if you have a student that says, uh, how do you spell this word? Um, the, what you should say is just stretch it out, put down the sounds you hear. That should be the end of it. Uh, but oftentimes the students who have the most ability tend to be the ones who want you the most to help mm -hmm. them. Um, they'll say, Oh, I can't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to stretch it out. Or I don't know. I don't hear any sounds. So um, teachers are tempted to kind of swoop in and say, well, let's listen to the word um, dog. Right. dog. <laughs> and then the student puts down a D and a G and, and that's great, but they won't do it unless you're there. Right. Yep. So that's one thing I hear from, some teachers a lot is my students are great at sounding out sounds when I'm with them, but they won't do it on their own. That's because you're doing it for them, right? So you're not giving them the tools to do that. So how I would handle that is um, if if I'm conferring with that ch child that day, not if they're pulling at me going, Mrs. Wills, Mrs. Wills, if it's their day to confer, um, I would invite them to do that. If I'm seeing that they're not capable of doing that, then I would reteach that lesson. So if they're writing the word park, let's say they want to write the word park and they don't know how to stretch it out. And I'll say, well, let's try stretching out a word, a different word. And let me show you how you do that. And I would stretch it out sort of the example that I did for dog. I would say it really slowly, dog. What sounds do you hear? I would show them. And then I would ask them to do that with their word, right? Because mm -hmm. if I did it with park, if I did, okay, let's try that word, park. Next time they come to a word they don't know, who are they going to ask? They're going to ask me again. Yep. So sometimes we have these practices that are just so automatic in our instruction that we don't realize what we're really doing is fostering dependence versus independence. So that would That's be perfect. other other example. No, that's good. And you know what? You, you said a couple of things. So for teachers who who maybe are, are trying writer's workshop for the first time or who are brand new teachers or, um, you know, I got a question yesterday at a school. A teacher said to me, she goes, I feel like I, I do like to teach writing, but I just don't feel like I'm doing a very good job at it. What, what do I do? Um, you mentioned the word conferring. We've mentioned the words reteaching. It, you know, in a, in a nutshell or as quickly as you could sum it up, what would you say to a teacher who's just starting this, the most important steps to take? Like, how do you get it in? How do you, what's your schedule look like for writer's workshop or how did right. you make sure that you were doing what you needed to do for each of your students? Well, one of the things. Look, I'm putting you on the spot as a I teacher know. right now. Like I have a course that's like five hours long that I talk <laughs> yeah. about this. So, so she's going to give you the, the most basic, <laughs> the most basic how to fit it in. <laughs> well, one, I always scheduled writer's workshop at a time um, where my students came back and had a lot of energy. So we did it right when they came back from recess. You know, there's all that recess drama, worst case scenario, you got recess drama. Um, but they come in, their energy is high, right? After lunch, not a good time if they mm -hmm. just ate and came in because they're all in snoozeville. So I, that's when I do, that's when I did writer's workshop. Plus it wasn't something, sometimes when you have um, something that you don't necessarily want to do on the heels of something that can sometimes take a little bit more time. What happens is you let that thing that was before, let's imagine if I had math ahead of time, I could let that drag out. So then right. now I don't have enough time for writer's workshop. Oh, I'll just get to it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, so instead swap those things so that you make sure that you get it in. The, writing is so reciprocal for reading, right? They work with each other. So it is a great use of time. Right. Um, plus, you know, as they get older, they're going to have to be able to express themselves in writing. So it's, it's a very 
important skill. And starting the very first day of kindergarten, um, you should be planning on where you're going to be putting writer's workshop, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks. So that's when you would launch it. Um, so where do you start? Um, I would, I would just first start with dedicating your time and knowing that I'm going to start with this chunk of time a day. Maybe, maybe it's 30 minutes. I used 45 as the year went on. Um, and just start where you are. I mean, that's where you have to start, start where you are. Um, and make sure that you're modeling lessons for students. That's very, very powerful. When they see you being a risk taker, they're willing to be a little bit more of a risk taker. Um, and I'm just gonna give one little caveat for kindergarten. People say, well, they don't know any letters and sounds. I don't really think that they should start writing until they know all their letters and sounds. Um, I disagree strongly. Um, I believe that students can express themselves through illustrations. They could be a storyteller through illustrations. So, um, you're going to be modeling, telling a story through your pictures. And then as the year progresses, you're going to be adding letters and sounds. That way, when students have all their letters and sounds, they're not going to have to struggle with, oh my gosh, I don't know what to write. I can't write, blah, blah, blah. They're already a writer. If they can put a picture on the page, they're a writer. Um, and, and looking at some wordless books are a great way to show yourself, a teacher, if you're not sure, if you could really justify that. Um, <laughs> yourself that writing is is just telling a story sometimes it's through illustrations sometimes it's through, through words um but also tells the students that hey you know what this has no words and it is no less a story than you know another book so no that, that i'm so glad you mentioned that because i i hear that a lot too and honestly i saw it a lot in my classroom a couple years ago with one of my students um and i, I think i had just may have been you that i saw speak on this we see so many friends in this world that i can't remember who says what right but it was yeah. It was the term um, that I kind of took and added into something based on this little boy that never underestimate the power of a picture because this little boy, and I've got a video of this actually that I share in my, my writing session. Um, he was, he came from a Spanish speaking home. Uh, I don't speak Spanish. He knew he could, he could communicate with me really well, but his ability to, to number one, no letters and sounds was, was way behind um, just because of what he had been exposed to, right? Or what he had not been exposed to. And putting letters and sounds into words on paper was was a skill that we weren't even ready to touch yet, right? And, right, right. And I get asked all the time when I'm doing writing, like, well, well, you tell us not to do hand over hand or not, but but this little child won't put any letters on the paper. I'm like, well, because they're not ready to, right? Like, right, right. let them tell their story. You know, that, right. that, that's such a big thing when a student can I mean, that's why we have things like picture books, right? If a student can absolutely can draw a picture and tell you what that picture is saying, then they're on their way to becoming a writer. They're just not right. quite there yet. They're not there so yet. We don't want to stop there, but right. work on that goal. You know, what next? What next? What next? And we remember that all kids are going to do that at different stages. We cannot expect, you know, writing. It has to be something kind of like exercise. You work on it every single day. You know, like that's why I'm so well, glad you mentioned. Well, <laughs> Some a, of us take I'm the day a, off. I'm raising my hand. Some of us take the day off. But uh, yeah, I'm I mean, it's hypocrite right now because I haven't touched that hypocrite. over there for like I've heard that some people exercise. I heard that's important, right? I heard that's a thing. Like, um, dude, I think we're supposed to eat every day, right? <laughs> I never forget to eat. Like, no joke. I never forget to eat. But no, when uh, you said the, th the fact about how you, you wouldn't put it after math because then you would just let it take over. And I think. Right. I think some people do. I mean, I, I'll admit I wasn't the best writing teacher but because I wasn't excited about it and I wasn't finding uh -huh. the time to fit it in. And right. it shouldn't be that. Like you shouldn't be trying to find time to fit it in. It should be there. 
It should be there and it should be a kind of non-negotiable. In in my district, um, you know, as I spent time as an instructional coach, there were things that we called non-negotiables, things that would practice is what happen nearly every day, Mm -hmm. nearly every day. When I say that is, oh, you had an assembly, a fire drill. Okay. You missed those days. Or, you know, we had a early release snow day, right? You missed those, missed those days, but it was one of our non-negotiables. Writing instruction was an everyday thing. Um, You know, and, and as you say, they all, students come in all in different spots, right? Some of them come in with a a lot of uh, oral language. Some don't have any oral language or very low oral language. Um, But one of the videos I have um, on the 10th day of school, just kind of spanning the classroom. And I had, I I zoom in on one, one little boy's picture and it looks like, it looks like some big muscles were being used to color that picture. I mean, there was a (laughs) lot of scribbling going on. Um, And then when he explains, this is me playing in the rain, totally makes sense. I look at Mike, of course it is. That's like, I mean, obviously that's what that is. Right. Um, and so he ended up, he was my ESL student and he ended up scoring the highest in my grade level for the district. Wow. Right. So even though you say, Oh, but you know, I have ESL students or I have a, I teach at a title one school or I have, I have, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, and, and I often hear that my students aren't ready for that. And I think if we're being really honest, with ourselves is it's not that your students aren't ready. It's that you're not ready. And that's okay. Cause you're n- not going to be ready. It's not going to be comfortable when you start, but you just have to acknowledge that it's not going to be comfortable. When you start, you have to, this is one of those fake it till you make it kind of things. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. Meanwhile, you're like thinking, I hate teaching writing. And the more you get excited, the students get excited. Uh, there is about a two week period where you just have to plow through and right. And as much as I taught writing, I always think that first two weeks, man, this is hard, man, this is hard. Well, um, we do the same thing for, I think just naturally we all assume, and this happens every, we do the same thing for small reading groups and math groups. We, we level yes. those groups based on student skills, right? Right. So why not do the same thing for writing? Students need that leveled ability. And, and you said your, your little boy that, that scored highest across those scores. That, that's kind of where I was going with the, my little student who was an ESL student was, um, he couldn't put pencil to paper. He, he just could not. But the video I have of him telling a story is amazing to hear his little voice. I mean, he added so much detail into this. It was a gorgeous picture. I knew exactly what was going on. Right. To hear him tell the story. His writing, quote unquote, came to life because he was right. able to tell the story. I'm like, Jaden, that, right. that's amazing, buddy. You are going to be a great writer. Like you are such a good storyteller. Right. Now let's start working on this. You know, right. It, right. It it's going to be a process. But education you, is. Yeah. And you might have some students who spend three quarters of the year just hanging out in pictures, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as their stories are compelling, I wouldn't even lose sleep over that. I as a teacher, I would not be like, oh my gosh, they have they're not putting words down yet. Right. Because if they're building their skills as a writer, when that letter sound when they learn those letters and sounds, I'm assuming they don't know the letters and sounds. That's why they're not putting them down. Mm-hmm. But when they learn that, you're not going to have to convince them or help them think of a story. You're not going to have to do all of that other teaching because they have it. And it's it's so exciting to see when they start to have um, that transcription skills to see them just take off. Right. Right. And write. Listen to us saying write so much. <laughs> I, yeah, right. To, to write, right. right? Yeah, right. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, so, it is, it's an important one. I, I, going back to you used um, 
I think you've said it a few times about being excited. And that was really my turning point too, was um, this, the question, the reason I say like I, I was writing was always the last thing I put in my plans. I wasn't a very excited writing teacher because I just didn't feel like we were doing a very good job, but I realized we weren't doing a very good job because I wasn't putting the passion into it. And um, about six years ago, I, I decided to scribble this little book together that has now turned into me writing multiple children's books. But yeah. I did that for my students because they needed to see me loving writing. And yeah. that was a huge turning point from that day forward my kids were bringing in homemade book after homemade book after homemade book and they just wanted to. And, and oh, cool. you mentioned the word model earlier um, and faking if you make it, maybe you don't like to write, but you need to make it look like you do like to write, right? Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> to make yes. it look like that is your favorite thing. Just like you show your students your passion for reading or your passion for math. You need to show them that you love to write too. And even if you just scribble together a little thing and staple it down, you know, mm-hmm. look what Mrs. Wills did at home last night. I wrote this story and you're going to start seeing some really cool projects come to life. Very cool. Can I just say one more thing about writing before we say goodbye? One more thing about writing? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, I'm <laughs> uh-huh. um, as a teacher, you're going to want to keep your pencil, your pen off of their writing. So as they're writing, they're going to approximate spellings. They're going to not have spaces. They're going to have a lot of stuff. And your temptation is there to transcribe for them. Please don't do that. Um, So keep your pencil, your paper, uh, or your pencil uh, off of their paper. Um, And oftentimes we say, well, what, how do I know what they wrote? Because it's, it's not really something that you can decipher without them there. Um, that's what your conferring notebook is for. So you can right. write down the date and you can, and you write it there. If you are passing by and you don't have your notebook in your hand, but you still want to capture it, I always flip it over. I write it in cursive, very messy. So like I can barely read it. And um, <laughs> they say, what are you writing, Mrs. Wills? I'm like, oh, these are just my notes. I don't tell them that I'm writing what they said. Um, and then let your parents know, hey, mm-hmm. You know, we learn how to write the same way we learn how to talk. We don't say to our child who says daddy, who says dada, we don't say to him, no, honey, it's daddy. Right. right? We you're like, oh my gosh, you're the most brilliant thing ever. So we celebrate those approximations. We don't, we, we don't want to correct them. Same thing with writing. It's funny you say that. I have, to, I have to say this funny story real quick. I had a little girl, her mom taught in our building. I'll never forget. I used to do, I mean, I, I, I we've all made mistakes. Like none oh. of us are perfect teachers, right? Like, right. I used to do exactly what Didi said not to do. I used to write on their papers. And, and, I, and I did too. And yeah. I did too. And then I switched to writing on post-it notes and I'd stick those on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never forget this little girl. I'm not going to say her name, but she, she was a bright one. I mean, she knew, she, she knew that I, she knew exactly what I was doing. And every time that she would like hand me the paper, we'd put it inside her notebook or in a writing folder, or I'd get ready to send it home, whatever it was. She'd rip that post-it off of there. She goes, I don't need your help. And she'd <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Like she, she hated that. She, cause she, right. to her, it Hello? felt I, like, I'm I don't know author. what I'm doing. Yeah. This right. is my paper. So, and you know, some students really crave that, um, validation, right? Right. But again, that is if, if they're waiting for you to come show them how to do it correctly, um, then again, we're, we're asking for more dependence from our students, not independence. So when I learned that, then I eliminated that, that practice. Um, and for some students, it's, it's, you know, students like us sometimes to write on their paper. They like to see what it looks like when it's, when it's standardized. Uh, but for other students, when we write on there, it says what you did was not good enough. Um, and if, if that only affects two students in your classroom, they, their response, that's too, too many anyhow. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, that conferring notebook is gold um, and use that. And then of course there's other apps too, right? Um, Seesaw is a good one, right? Yeah, Seesaw is a great one to track this kind of stuff, document. And yeah. um, the cool thing about Seesaw too, and I know this can be done other ways, but it's an awesome way that uh, if you're not quite sure what your students are writing, right? Like instead of writing their paper, have them do an, a video recording of their page in Seesaw. I would do that quite a bit. I'd have my Perfect. students hold my phone or an iPad right over their writing page and read their sentence to me or their story to me. And then you can kind of listen and see, you know, you put the auditory factor to it too. And you can see exactly where they're making their mistakes from their mind to their voice to their paper, right? Yes, um, yes. It's, it's a great tool to use for that, that purpose. And I know, Didi, as we end this, you've, your blog is chock full of writing ideas and whatnot. So if you guys are looking for some resources on this or I guess just more on this topic, visit mrswillskindergarten.com. Uh, I don't know if you have specific blog posts about Writer's Workshop, but I'm sure they can find quite a bit. Yeah, I, I may have written about that a hundred times. What I'll do <laughs> is um, in the show notes, I'll put a link to the category so that they'll kind of be organized together. So okay. they can go through and kind of cruise it um, or peruse it. Cruise it? Cruise, peruse. peruse. Okay. Anyhow, they can look they can, at it. How about that? They can, they can just look at it <laughs> All right. um, as however it works. All right. So. All right, guys. Woohoo. We'll see you next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.